answer for me. I couldn't eat yogurt for a very <laughs> What happened to yogurt? Um, we made it in science class. How do you make yogurt? Out of bacteria. All right, talking to the mic. I already started. It was disgusting. Wait, you? Oh, there's like actual bacteria because that's the good part of yogurt that's is the, the way bacteria to make yogurt. So we made it in, I guess, sixth grade science class. And uh, I guess we just started. I was gonna pull up the intro, but that's it. We're balls deep into this yogurt talk. And uh, I, yeah, and, and from that point forward, I eat yogurt until I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago. It took you what's a, that? Twenty a long years? Time. Twenty years yogurtless. I'd say like 15. It's don't, not like you don't re- age me that much. It's not like you really missed out. It's not like it's pizza or something. Yeah, it wasn't like something like... It's sweet. fucking yogurt. It's like, oh, gross. What Someone was- turned me off from hamburgers. All like- right, wait, wait. So you got to lay it on me, though. What was gross about making yogurt that you're like, I'm never touching this? We basically made it in a Petri dish. And it was just... Oh, and you're like... It I- was like sitting around for weeks on end. And then it's like, oh, end result, yogurt. You know that thing that you don't think about? Oh, uh, because it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> right. So, was, you saw the whole process. You saw, you, you saw so, behind the scenes of yogurt I making, what, and then it was over. I think what bothered you about yogurt was that it had to be engineered, and you felt like for all this process, there should be something here other than just some white gunk that you eat. Like, it wasn't yeah. enough of a payoff. And also, it was just from totally then, gross. Well, that's I, don't even, I don't even think the yogurt in the end product of that science class was, yogurt. was like edible you yogurt. You guys fucked up and ended up with Play-Doh. <laughs> Whatever it was. Or someone it was actually just, like, just swapped just like... bad yogurt. Like, right. so, so that just ruined that. Um, that for years on end. After that, you were, you were like, fuck it. I am done with yogurt. All right. So other than the fact that you recently rediscovered yogurt, and now that you rediscovered no, it's it... it's been a while. Do you like yogurt now? I like yogurt. I actually consume a lot of yogurt because uh, on my healthy days, I start it with a with a nice little smoothie, oh, which that, I throw. When I'm doing good, there's smoothies. So smoothie I, making. I mean, I have I have garbage. Today was a garbage day. Uh-huh. I ate a double burger on rye bread that I cooked. Dude, I am becoming a master. I want to say I'm like a master hobo chef, and that I cook everything out of a single fry pan. But I'm getting great at it. Chicken, dude. Can I tell you my newest dish? You're gonna love this dish. Lay it on me, but I have a follow up question already. Okay, but first, can I lay you on yeah, yeah. this dish? Because this is gonna blow your mind. How simple it is. It takes five minutes to make. It's delicious, and it encompasses so many great flavors. Go this ahead. is the dish. Okay, you throw down a little bit of olive oil, like just enough that you're not burning stuff and sticking it to the pan. That's it. If you put in more olive oil than that. You got too much olive oil. Okay. Okay, then you buy pre-thin sliced chicken so that it just cooks right through in like 30 seconds. Or you could just cut it. Yeah, but that's too much. I find if you buy it pre-thin sliced, it's almost like uh, like it's just super thin. It cooks right through. I could no thinly problem. slice you cannot chicken breast. I swear slice to God. chicken this I, thin. I, I, I'll challenge okay. your chicken All slicing right. skills. This is like uh, this is like that I Seinfeld get it. No, episode I- <laughs> when they're uh, when they buy the deli slicer. That's like never saw that one. What, buddy? You got to catch up on your television. We've <laughs> yeah. gotten into this before. Anyways, let's get back to my delicious recipe. Let's see. Okay, you cut. You, you thinly sliced. You take chicken thinly breast. sliced chicken. Then before you cook it, you chop it up really small. You get yourself thin. That defeats thin, the purpose of thin, having thin 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 chicken thin breast. Little in thin pieces. slices. Okay, you throw this into your this fry pan. This is already a disaster. But go ahead. Three minutes. If even. Yeah, probably three minutes. a minute and a half. minute and a half. 
The other thing I like to throw in there, by the way, but this is me. I like spicy. If you don't like spicy, ignore this step. Cayenne. I'll, no, I'll cut. Um, I'll cut just like a jalapeno pepper, like a plain jalapeno pepper. Uh-huh. Throw it in there. Okay. You take that out. It's done. Took three minutes, right? Now you just put it into a bowl with salsa. Okay. Then you take a full avocado. You throw the avocado in the bowl. You mix this shit up. Then you just eat it with taco chips, and that's it. That's the whole fucking recipe. It's delicious. You end up with a, it's like a a chicken salsa. It's a chicken salsa dip. It's kind of like you made guacamole and added chicken. chicken. Yes, that's exactly what it is. But there's salsa. It's like a bowl. Yeah, it's a lazy eat. It takes three minutes to do, and it's fucking delicious. I like it. If you don't have to worry about kosher, um, you can throw as much cheese as you want in there. (laughs) You can really cheese that thing up. So it becomes like a nacho, um, nacho chicken dip. Yeah. Does the if I open How much up, salsa are you putting in though? Like does it cool down the chicken? Yeah, it's ready oh, okay. to eat the second it comes out. Well, I'm saying like you don't still have that a little bit of hotness to the chicken. I mean if it depends on how quickly you eat it. Also you can And play, also when you're putting cheese in, so you are can, you melting that cheese I, I or would, you're just I, who would put cheese into their salsa? I'm no, not doing that. I'm, I'm trying to for the, suggest a recipe for listeners right. that if you're a cheese eater I'm just saying Chef Robbie would oh, you so go about melting you, it? I would melt the cheese, yeah. I would, to- like you no, throw would, it in the microwave afterwards? No, 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 absolutely not. That is nonsense. What I would do is... Melt it on the chips. No. To dip. Oh, no. no. That's no, what no, it no. is. When you, when, oh, when after the chicken. Done, you throw the hot. cheese in into the pan, and you would stir that around. Got it. That's the way I or would Or even advise. in the bowl that you... No, I would do it on the stovetop okay. if I was doing it right. in that way. Yeah, or using the... Here's like, another. Um, I've also made um, like um, burger salad. Same thing. You just cook a burger. Two minutes in a fucking fry pan. You throw okay. it on top of a salad. Boom. Oh, wait. For that, do you actually prepare a burger or you no, cut up, You just cut no, up like... No, I'd buy what? a pre- pre-made patty. I'm all for the pre-made patty. I go, I go pre-made patty, thin-sliced chicken. I listen, We are very... We well, are on like the opposite ends no, no, of the spectrum. Here's where we're on opposite end of the spectrums. When I... If I'm pitching you... What I'm doing as a chef, it's moderately healthy meals done extremely quickly with the most possible convenience. I'm not telling you, hey, this is the most delicious burger you're going to ever eat. I'm also telling you on my chicken dish, this is not the most tasty. There's chicken in there. It's fucking chicken in there because it's healthy. It's pretty plain flavored and you got enough avocado guac and spiciness that to add to the flavor. It's going to be a tasty dish. I but like it. I, I'm not telling you, hey, this is a juicy chicken I'm going to serve to you in a restaurant that you're going to slice into it. And, and it's like, not like it's going to be some gourmet burger that, yeah. no. that you're butting into. It's like juicy. We're talking and- Rob's healthy five-minute meal. So anyways. The, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just dropped a nice bomb there. What? That Run with that. What, Rob's? Rob's healthy five-minute <laughs> five meals. meals. That is, that's, that's a winner right there. That's a winner? We're quitting the podcast <laughs> right now and getting started on this newest venture. You don't need the to quit is, the podcast. You can do that also. Right. The problem, I only have like uh, like two dishes. No, I've got three. i got a third <laughs> dish I've made. You could build it out. I could build it out. And, know, it's all, just... and it's all got to be fry pan. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> oh, so Hobo that, cooking. That was back to my follow-up cook question. Yeah. Steak and what? eggs. I make steak and eggs sometimes. Okay. That's delicious. I've also made... Uh, this I haven't done in a while, but like really, uh, like wraps, but like cheese, vegetables, just in a whole wheat wrap, just throw that in the fucking fry pan to melt the cheese, like uh-huh. a quesadilla, like a homemade quesadilla, but Rap loaded with style. fucking vegetables. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the question is, are you, this, you're saying, I just use the same fry pan. Like, okay, you're using the same fry pan, but are you like doing 
multiple things towards a dish in the same fry pan? No, no, no. It's just whatever no. you're... This okay. is, uh, I'll tell you kind of the way my <laughs> cooking style is fry pans going with whatever, and then while it's cooking, I'm on the side putting the avocado into the salsa, cutting up some peppers to put in there, so it's like as quick as possible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, that brings us to our next topic, unless any dishes that you're making that you want to tell our listeners about, anything to report in on? No, I'm I'm trying to still sell you on the crock pot idea. Oh, but I like crock pot. But it seems like you're, but, oh, you're more go get her, <laughs> fucking get a fucking meal out in five fucking minutes, or else you know, if it's not done in five minutes, it's this is a wasted fucking meal. I'm you know a little bit more laid back. That's you exactly. throw shit in the pot. You, That's exactly. You wait right. it out. You know, six to eight hours later, you no. got yourself a nice. No, I'm more like nice. I wanted this meal ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is taking so long? You got the aggressive approach. Yeah, I also I make uh, I make delicious chili. Also, that could well, be another. Slow. That could, no, slow. that's. Five minute meal, five minute meal. I'll tell you how. <laughs> what the fuck kind of chili are you making? I'll in fucking five tell minutes? you how, dude. This is the way I do it. You take out your fry pan <laughs> and and you uh, get some prepared chili and heat it up. No, no, no. You take out. You get you get your fry pan, right? Uh-huh. Fry pan. You cook up that meat. Takes two three minutes. Not brown probably it, yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. You just brown it. Then once it's browned, I'll add in. Typically, I'll just go salsa. I'll, I'll throw in a whole thing of salsa. I'll throw in like um black beans. Yeah. Um corn. wall corn um i also i'll get like a pre thing of um like um just canned vegetables so that's gonna be peas carrots string Uh beans um throw all that stuff in while the meat's browning i'm throwing in cumin i'm throwing in hot chili pepper um i'm throwing in whatever other like hot spices i got i like things spicy tomatoes so instead of the tomatoes, so oh, you're doing no, so salsa. I'll go, I'll go one of the two ways. I'll, I'll go salsa because I, I like salsa, or I'll go like, um, like crushed diced tomatoes kind of thing. But I'm oh, not going, yeah. I, I'm not going fresh tomatoes or no, no, tomato no. Sauce. I don't think you, no, no, I don't think anyone does that. In, five minute chili. chili, but that's not five minute. That's fifteen minute, twenty minute chili. Nah, nah, it's it, it, the whole ten minutes. I know I just went from five to ten, but <laughs> <You> just double <laughs> the cooking time. You chili, <laughs> chili does take a little bit longer than the chicken, but it, it, it fits the mold of what we're trying to do here. Right. It's healthy, packed with protein, lentils. Um, okay, you put lentils in? No, I don't know why I you said put lentils. chickpeas in there. Uh, I've done that before, I think. Well, no, I think chickpeas is in my mixed vegetables thing, I think. What? Like a canned mixed vegetables has chickpeas? No fucking way. I believe so. Where the hell are you getting your mixed vegetables? Great question. I live in Astoria. They got weird tastes. They got out weird here. stuff here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very true. No, because I feel like I usually do get chickpeas in there, and I'm not buying a thing of chickpeas. Okay. Who knows? Anyways, next or maybe topic. Maybe you're just eating a black bean that you think's a chickpea. Could be. Next topic. The other day, Sunday morning. Was it Sunday morning? Might have been Saturday morning. I wake up. I walk into my bathroom on the curtain. Big ass fucking roach. Nah. Big fucking roach. I, I did my research last time. We, I, it wasn't like a King Kong roach. I think I told that story in the podcast. It was not that. I don't remember that. Um, one time we had a roach over there. It was like a tarantula. It was insane. Uh-huh. But anyways, that incident happened. I cleaned the entire apartment. I bought all these roach traps. We haven't seen roaches in months. That roach was so big. I had. I, I, I'm, I'm reporting pure insanity right now, and I understand that what I'm reporting is insanity. I twice where I woke up in the morning and I thought I saw a giant spider climbing down my wall and like woke up in like a fucking panic, like backed up against the wall and there was nothing there. Uh-huh. That's how big this roach was and that's how much it bothered me when I saw that giant roach. It's like, gotten in your head. It got in my head. Dude, like people, like I, I, after that incident, I understood, I, I get that this is 
small and insane, but I could have an understanding for what people describe a PTSD that I saw a roach on one day and then it fucked with me to the point that I woke up and had a hallucination uh-huh. on another. Now I get that that's not <laughs> being at war, but I'm saying I can now understand what people are describing when they're no longer in a stress incident, but it's still fucking with them. Stressful, yeah. Dude, I fucking hate roach. Like, I, I almost want to like expose myself to roaches to not have them bother me as much as they do, but they really bother me. So, anyways, I want I want a cleaning tear, clean the entire apartment up, and I realized. Well, firstly, if my mom ever wanted me to clean my room as a kid, she should have just put like a dead roach in there. That that would have done it. Oh my god, you 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 put. I see a roach in this. I turned into a fucking like meth addict just the way <laughs> that became my weekend was cleaning this apartment. First thing I learned it though. Looks gr- marginally no, good yeah. <laughs> it's if like a two percent uh, improvement if you had come on sunday <laughs> this place was fucking spotless uh-huh. but i discovered this dude the fumes it's from Thursday. household cleaning cloth products are pretty fantastic because <laughs> <laughs> here's the way i clean up first is you, you fucking sweep you get all your garbage out you do all that bullshit then i take out your cleaning your cleaning sprays, sprays and i just spray everything as much as you can i let it sit for about five minutes and then i come through with the swiffer and just swiffer it all up but you just end up with a shit ton of chemicals in the air, I promise you. Especially in these closed quarters. Oh, yeah. There's no... Ventilation. There's no ventilation in here whatsoever. I'm telling you, when I was done with that, I was just in like a work mode. There's some uppers in those chemicals. That's why women like cleaning so much. I'm convinced. chemicals. I'm just telling you, like, I've done a lot of things to try and concentrate, like Adderall, coffee, whatever, cigarettes, and those fucking spray chemicals had me... I I was working all night after that. I sat down. I wrote a whole episode of Rob's Newsroom. We were getting shit done. There we go. I think kids were onto something. You want to get work done. Household cleaning chemicals (laughs) seems to have the magic. This this segment is sponsored by Lysol. By Lysol, it wasn't. It was fantastic, fantastic. I believe. Lemon scent or orange scent? I I, want to tell you more. Or just like uh, just plain. Uh, whatever their their <laughs> their natural. Uh, I had more. I, I sprayed my wall in like roach repellent, and then I went to sleep that <laughs> night. I'm I'm pretty sure I, I killed whatever brain cells I had left just <laughs> with the fumes of outdoor scent. <laughs> but anyways, I was walking around my apartment for the two days after that. Where in my peripheral, I kept thinking something was a roach. Okay. It's just insanity. I also get into my bed at night, and I'm like, like, like a little. And you're kid. very low to the ground. I'm on the ground, yeah. And like a kid, you know, afraid of monsters. I have to convince. I've never seen a roach in here. There are no roaches you in your the bed. Doors and you can go to sleep. Oh the... god, it's terrible. Fucking hate roaches. All right, moving on. You have anything to say on the roaches? No. You haven't had to experience anything that traumatic. No, I've experienced roaches, but it hasn't been that traumatic. Where have you seen roaches? Or they just don't bother you so much? Well, they. It's it's just more like a nuisance than uh It doesn't like you don't ju- you don't see them and just freak It's out, funny I don't have I, like spiders don't bother me. Bugs I I, I don't like bugs but they, I don't see them and just like but roaches I don't know why they really fucking get well, to they're me. They're gross. They are gross but I they can't really do anything to you. No. They get in your mouth. They can also I think they can um this might they can sometimes like they lay eggs in people's ears. Oh. Okay, that's, now I'm afraid of roaches. That's yes. happens to people in your sleep. You go to sleep, roaches fucking climb into your ear, they lay some eggs, people think they have horrible pain, they finally go to see a doctor, and like, dude, you got, you got fucking roaches have taken over your yeah. ear. Great. Um, yeah, that's pretty fucked up, right? All right, we got some phone calls. Um, we opened up my email, robsnewsroom at gmail.com, and there, it was to just the fans. flooded? Dude, not only did I get, I got physical mails. <laughs> 
It's like Santa's <laughs> Santa's like lair before Christmas. The, the amount of letters I got, and, and I don't have room in here. No, we we had two people that reached out to me. First guy who reached out to me, this fellow from Arkansas, and wow, this fellow from Arkansas, he's the best fan anyone could ever ask for. Uh-huh. You know why? He's prepared for the apocalypse. He's got like a bunker. He's ready to go. He already offered us. That if things go to shit, he's like, you can come down here. I got, I got space and supplies for you. And I'm like, this is the guy I need in my life. Like, you know, <laughs> just like a, it's like a life insurance policy. Yes, exactly. You yeah. know, what I, I have like no real. I mean, I, I like to have money because I like to, I, I like to eat big sandwiches. That's about it. I need enough money that I can waste money occasionally on big sandwiches from a store. Mm-hmm. I, I don't date. I don't have kids. I like sandwiches. That's it. <laughs> I don't have I don't Simple life. I don't need a lot of money in life. I really don't. I like I like a bakery. I like a sandwich. That's it. <laughs> keeping a, keeping the taste pretty simple. <laughs> Porn is free, so I'm good. I just need sandwiches and cookies. I'm living okay, right? Yeah. But the one thing, if I had money, I would invest in. It's like some sort of property that if the world went to shit, you no. got your. I promise you, if I had money, that's something I'd be investing in. Because I, I just uh, I got grim views on uh, our economy, the way the U.S. really runs. I think things things can go pretty shitty. Uh-huh. I, I don't think necessarily. So like, now you um, have it. Now I don't even need to make money. I got yeah. this guy. This guy's got my back. So I wanted to. Uh, oh, by the way, he also he sent me a Is picture. Is the bunker in Arkansas? He didn't show me the bunker. He just said we're prepared. And then he we're show, prepared. And then he sent me a picture of a, of this massive gun, like really massive gun scope, ready to uh-huh. go. And I'm like, dude, I like this guy. <laughs> So I reached out to him and I was like, hey man, I I, I, I direct messaged him. I was like, hey, I'd love to have you on the pod so we could talk about what you're doing to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, I, I can't. Guess what his reason was? I feel like it's something along the lines of he can't be like in the public eye. He didn't want his girlfriend to know about it. <laughs> oh, about his bunker? Apparently his, his chick doesn't know about his bunker. And she also listens to our podcast? No, so no? I was confused about that because I, 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 I don't want to press Hold on, the guy. he opened up the bunker dialogue yeah no, no i'm saying like but it's he ch- doesn't offered a place for you right and i think me i believe so okay but let's I assume, let's just i assume you just without say- your family <laughs> so <laughs> and, i don't know if i'd go and down that you would leave them but, <laughs> but at so least we can you, continue to broadcast he offered you as <laughs> apocalyptic in america his bunker yes but he does not want his that's, girlfriend to know about it so that's what i'm not understanding because i would think that's a sell to your girlfriend that she's like i better stay oh, with no, this guy could be like he's the, the one guy who's prepared if things go to shit i would think that's a sell Unless he knows that she might be like or turned he, off by that, or like, he knows that with tight quarters in the bunker, he just doesn't want the chick in there, so he's not telling yeah, her. He's about not it. like that committed to this girl. It sounds like right because if you were, you would either tell her that you were passionate about having a bunker, or you would want her. I don't her think there could, for right. I don't think you could be that passionate about being prepared for shit going down and not share that with your chick, or it it just it's not at that level in the relationship yet. Whatever, maybe this oh call, gosh, maybe this call, he'll listen to this episode and he'll get excited to set the facts straight and he'll send me an email next week that he's a game to have a call in. We'll find out though. So then I had the next feller, he emailed into me, this guy, um, so he works as a, I, I believe he works as a uh, grocery bagger, mm-hmm. but he's not just a grocery bagger. In his spare time, he's an expert in news sources news sources so for example last week i brought up the washington times 
and he emailed me some information about who owns the Washington Times and what their political bias is. Okay. So I emailed back, holy shit, we got an expert who, who, who also knows groceries. This guy's a perfect fit. <laughs> we love groceries around here. I'm like, well, let, uh, why don't you call in and we'll do a segment. You can tell us about like the uh, political bias of some of these newspapers. So I'd like to ask. I'd like to talk to him about groceries. Groceries. Now. I told you. I, I knew it was okay. going to be a perfect fit. You for right, the so groceries. So you could talk to him about the political stuff. And exactly. I I want to you know know his strategies for bagging, bagging groceries. Bagging groceries. I All get right. it. We're on the same page here. So I emailed him with the time, and he responded, "I'm out with my girlfriend. Please don't call." Then <laughs> he goes, "I can do." He, he said he can do a pre-tape, but I want you to be here for it. So first and foremost, I'm a little upset with the newsroom listeners. These aren't newsroom. Run your mouth, listeners. Thank you. That. Firstly, they're tied down to like I want more loyalty than this. That if I'm going to give you a call, it's fuck my chick. I want to speak to. I want more loyalty from my from my hundred fans. That's one. First and foremost, uh-huh. forget the wives. Yosef's married. He made it out here tonight. Secondly, I don't like that these people are cooler out. than me and have girlfriends. <laughs> I feel like I thought I was going to have like a an angry army of people who couldn't get laid. So this is not exactly the. Uh, these aren't your people. No, these aren't my people. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to. Everyone should, uh, you know, uh, fuck as much as you can. We we stand for that here. So if you got girlfriends, I'm trying to get by with that. <laughs> if you got girlfriends, God bless you. I say that we disturb this guy's date. We give him a call, see if we can get him on the phone because I want to learn a little bit about these news sources and I want to learn. About about you know, his bagging skills. Oh shit! You know what I did wrong here? Everything. Uh, this is a problem. This is a little embarrassing. I don't. I didn't write down the guy's name. All right, that's fine. No, but I also I can't open up his email because if I open up his email, I get logged out of my Gmail, and then I won't have. You're talking too much. But how do I? It's call It's not him? a big deal. How do I call him without knowing his name? You call if you have the number, then we're all good. Hey, buddy, what's your name? I'll, I'll ask. Hey, this is Rob. I don't know. I got to look up his name first. I feel oh, my God. Please don't. It's not embarrassing to call no, the guy? No, just call the all fucking right, guy. All right, all right, call the guy. I'll, I'll do your dirty work. Shit, he's going to listen back, and he's going to know that. See, if you didn't say that, you know, we could have made this I work. I feel bad. I don't know. How How do you not know the guy's name? He emailed in. He's a fan. He bags groceries. All right, here we go. He's from Florida. Oh, I didn't tell him my number, so he might not realize that, that this cares? is us. You're think You're overthinking this. I am? I just want to learn about these news sources. He probably just Googled, like, Washington Times like you could have. No, no, no. I think he, uh, I think that's why he's working the grocery job, is that he can maximize his brain space, space and time for studying these. Just gave away his phone number. Did I really? Well, no, I don't think that got picked up in the mic. Also, we're a tight community. Call that guy up. <laughs> you guys can get some information about bagging groceries also. All right. I guess, uh, I guess we'll have to catch him with these guys next week. Next, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, out on tour, promoting the fight. What do you make of the promotions? I think that's probably going to be better than the fight. Really? I think... These promotions are almost making me lose interest in the fight. Oh, then you don't... I guess you don't enjoy entertainment. I love f- both boxing. Not as much as MMA. I watch more MMA than boxing, uh-huh. but I watch both. this is both. still in the MMA sphere. This is MMA sphere. I, I've, I've watched a lot of Conor McGregor's fights. He's fun. I watched the last Floyd Mayweather fight. I've watched a lot of their fights on YouTube. I, I'm a fan of both sports. Okay. But this... Is making me uninterested because it's just uh, it's stupidity. Like it, it, just fight or don't. 
They're, you're They're on, eventually going to fight in I the know, way that this, you want to. But. but this almost um loses the appeal of like, oh, these two guys really don't like each other. It, it, because now they're just kind of like standing around insulting each other, and that's not leading to a real fight. So they're not that. You know what I mean? Like it, it almost breaks the illusion of. I don't think these guys like each other. They're just trying to be businessmen. Well, here's, also, here's the other thing that bothers me about it is I can't believe that they couldn't come up with more clever material to make fun of each other with. Well, I feel like I'm watching kindergartners yell at each other. Here, I'm going to roll a tape, and then we can uh, we can talk some more about it. All right. Well, I guess Floyd's illiterate. He's yeah, incredibly they, wealthy for an illiterate person. Well, he knows how to box. I think I missed the clip I was looking for. You circus clown, you hoe, you don't smell that good, your mama's <laughs> kind of fat, what kind of a dirtbag, like, this is the best you guys can come up with, this is like bigger than the WWF, write some fucking writers, like he's showing up, uh, like Conor no, McGregor showed up and goes, it feels like they're both winging it, hey, you kind of don't dress that nicely for a guy who's as wealthy as he is, but you dress nicely sometimes, but your chick doesn't always dress that well. This is what you're getting in front of a stadium full of fans to do? I don't know. I, I kind of... I, I I saw just, like, bits and clips. I'm still into the fight, I, but this, like, step it up. Get some writers. Did you see the... When um, Mayweather threw the, all that money up in the air? I don't know that I saw that. He t- he had, like, this bag full of money. And he just chucked he it just in the air? he just chucked it in the air, and McGregor picked up some of the bills. He's like, these are all singles. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> throwing, funny. like, a, a 10 or something <laughs> in the mix. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. All right, Yussel. Yeah. This is your opportunity event. I know that something very disturbing happened to you this week. I got I got off the chest about the roaches. That was upsetting to me, but I know that something... Oh, something grave. Something startled your life. You go about your routine, and something... Horrific happened, and yeah, I'd like for you to traumatic. warn our listeners that this could happen to them too. Especially, they might be going yeah. about their routine and run into the same issue. Everyone needs to be aware about this. Also, Tell our listeners. Also, on the heels of the the car accident, just traumatic stuff. I don't know if I could continue on. No, I think the, the, they have to know you're safe. No, no, I'm gonna tell, but you know, this just shook me up. Oh, that you're like, Even what more, is my life right, coming yeah, to? Exactly. Um, walked into a bodega. And uh, wanted to get a nice cold beverage on the middle of the day. And uh, I went to one of the first places that I, I do go to. This in is the, your normal in the, spot? In the, no, no, it's not the normal spot, but it's the normal... You were so thirsty for a beverage, this was the closest bodega to quench your thirst. No, you're, you're <laughs> not understanding. I went to the one of the first drink sections mm-hmm. that is typically my go-to choice for beverage, for beverage which is always reliable if they have it mm-hmm. and is always just you know a sure thing at a certain price all right and that's uh arizona iced tea delicious the giant cans big old cans green tea comes in multiple tea, flavors the, the arnold palmer 
all sorts of flavors. All sorts of flavors. A buck. It's always a, a dollar. It says it on the, on the can. To ensure that no one tries to do anything but give people the iced tea they want for a dollar. For a single dollar. Sometimes we'll throw on tax at some places. Sounds But generally, like any gas station or bodega, you just throw a single on the table. There's no price gouging. It the just, price is right oh, there. It's right there. Um, and uh, I was shocked and dismayed that on front, in front of, no, actually slapped on the glass of the refrigerated section of the Arizona iced tea was Arizona tea. A dollar twenty-five. Unacceptable. Those fucking lunatics. Unacceptable. It was. It was just a travesty. And uh, did you still it, buy it, or did I you? Just, I just. Did you buy Snapple out of protest? No, I. I paced up and down the aisle and debate because you went in there specifically wanting an Arizona. I went in there, and as I said, it's generally like the first place. It's not. I don't always settle on it, but you know that it's a sure thing if it's there. That you could rely it's on that if you don't see something better. <laughs> This is almost part of your routine that you know that it's like... That's a, a steady back. Like, you know, like... I get it. It's like you walked into a bar and, uh, you know, Fat Ricky, who sometimes you have sex with when you strike out with everyone else, is sitting right there, right? But you're like, I'm going to check out the rest of the bar, see yeah. who else I might be able to hit on. And if I strike out... you know out, that there's I'll all, go home all with, reliable. I'll go home with Fat Ricky. But on this night, you walk in... All reliable Arizona iced tea And Fat dollar. Ricky is already making out with someone... <laughs> And you're like, I don't have my backup strategy. Everything's in mess. Yeah. <laughs> I might not get laid at all tonight. Yeah, and it, yes, it's a quarter, but that quarter represents so much more. I would hope you would understand such a thing. No, I get it. You expect that. What right do they think they have? Firstly, See, I, I, would pay, I would pay $3 for something else. But you expect for something that I know, like, also, oh, this really should be $2. How can I? But $1.25 for the dollar Arizona iced tea can? It's just. How, how could anybody bring themselves to do such a And how can I thing? trust any of your pricing once I know... How can I, I trust you as a person to do this? Unbelievable. I think... Oh my... I was... I was... I think as the... I pro- was livid. I think as the professional protester, our first protest should be at this man's bodega yes. for the unbelievable... <laughs> <laughs> price 25, gouging 25% price gouging price gouging on the Arizona iced tea so listeners if you're out there and you can where is this in White Plains this was in Stanford in Stanford in my hometown our hometown bitch our hometown the listeners of Run Your Mouth I would like for us to congregate together and unite in ending the re- the, the price gouging by this random bodega owner who thinks it's okay I have some to more solve- to this but oh, continue. More of the story. Keep going. Keep Anyways, going. If if just one listener is game, I That's will go three. there. I will. Sh- we will shoot this video and put it up online. I, I. I. Guys, there's a hundred of you. There's no reason why the other ninety nine of you, ninety eight of you that don't have girlfriends and have no life. <laughs> I can't. Ju- Although I would like the guy with the gun. If you could show up with the gun, that might help us make our point. Uh, Except I don't think we need the gun. We don't I, need the know, gun. I think we're good. Just. I yeah. feel for our first protest, it should get a little riled up. <laughs> no, I think we start slow. All you right, know, we're fine. dealing with small, pati- you know. Right, right. We're working our way up exactly. to, to major protests. Yeah, exactly. We start small on the Arizona iced tea. So, yeah. Oh, there's more I, to this uh, incident. I was pacing up and down, just like, should I just get... I was like, no, I, I couldn't bring myself to... Purchase anything. Purch- no, to purchase that can of iced tea, that which I was actually in the mood for, you know, going in. 
Um, I took a picture. I sent you the picture, and I picked up a diet ginger ale, a can of diet ginger ale, and and it wasn't so good just because knowing that. So when I brought it to the you counter, felt like there was an order in the world. Yeah, this man I had was, introduced chaos. Was, like if people like can be charging, was shaken up. If people could be charging a dollar twenty five for dollar iced teas, nothing makes sense anymore. Right. And I went up to the counter with my diet ginger ale. Yeah. <laughs> I put it on the table. And you said, this just isn't counter. right. And I it's said, just not right. And I brought it up. I said, Arizona iced teas for $1.25? He goes, oh, yeah, yes, yes. Um, we, uh, they sell it to us higher. I was like, well, buddy. What, like a buck fifty? You need You're a, selling this at a loss? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm like, well, you need to find a better place to buy your Arizona iced tea because... It's on the fucking can right? that it should be retailed at a dollar. If anyone, like, find a different wholesaler. Find a different distributor of beverages because obviously you're getting fucked if you're telling the truth, which there's no way he's telling the truth in that. Um, yeah, but that, in, was, that was the traumatic. Uh, this guy's in for a surprise when the uh, professional protester shows up with the oh masses. It was, it was just, I was so thrown off and so thrown off uh yeah the world was like on a different axis at that point all right as long as we're outraged let's talk about health care <laughs> all right let's uh let's turn that that outrage for arizona iced tea into outrage over what's going on in health care now the republicans they didn't pass a repeal it's not going to happen you don't get rid of entitlement programs doesn't exist however i read this really dumb comment from um, Chris Coons, he is a senator out in Delaware. And so basically part of what exists in healthcare is you have like emergency care plans, which if you're a healthy individual, don't make a lot of money. That's the cheapest healthcare plan that you can get. So if you get cancer or anything major, it will cover you. Mm-hmm. The issue is that anyone who's healthy in it, from what the way I understand it, it makes the most sense to purchase a plan like that. However, in terms of getting healthcare coverage for the people who are unhealthy, you want to force as many healthy people as possible to purchase like higher premium plans, like full coverage, so that way you can kind of reduce costs for people who are currently sick. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, this guy, Chris Coons, his comment on the emergency care plans, in other words, the part of like what happened with Obamacare is I believe they got rid of a lot of these emergency care plans. Um, so, Chris Coons made a comment about the emergency care plans that he's like, you can't even sell these people, it'd be reckless. And this was his comment. That is like allowing car companies to sell cars without airbags, bumpers, or emergency brakes. It might make the cars cheaper, but the cars are too dangerous to drive. And I read that, and I realized they do sell those. They're called motorcycles. <laughs> and that's the cheaper option for transportation. But and also, it's, but it's not a car. I, 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 okay, I'm kind of making a joke here, but the point yeah. is there is an option to drive a more dangerous vehicle that doesn't include all these safety features right. that's cheaper. And if they were allowed to make cars without airbags or, well, I, I mean, what is, I don't even know what he means by emergency brakes. There's cars, have, they don't have emergency brakes, they have brakes. Right. And also, I think he's talking about like the one that you pull up. Yeah, well, if you're pulling and that also, in an accident, you're causing an accident. Um, no, he, I think he's just talking about different features. I guess bumpers. But I can't imagine that, yeah. that being such a very costly. Uh, right. But. My feeling is like um, I, I was watching. Uh, I was actually watching the uh, Deadliest Catch the other day. Okay. Um, and in this particular episode, I mean, I don't know how much is fictionalized, blown up by television, but in this particular, there's like a crazy storm going out, 
and you can't believe these guys are standing out on the um, the deck of the ships. Like, there's just so much water rushing on there. Uh-huh. You're like, how are these people not getting swept off? Then they're doing like a larger view, and you see the entire boat rocking on both sides. Where it really looks like you're like, how is this thing not capsizing? I would be just fucking panicking. And then a part of me thinks like. How are they even allowed out there to do this? This is insanity. Like, people apparently every year they lose a ship. So that's why they call it. That's what my roommate watches the show. He said that every year a ship of like the 100 ship fleet gets lost. So, like, one in 100 chance of a ship going down means, uh, means you, let, let's say there's uh, one in 100, let's say there's 25 people on each ship. So that's 25 times 100, 2,500. So there's a good chance there's 25 out of a 2500 chance that you're dying when you go One out. One out of 100. That's what it works out to. <laughs> I was just running a bunch of numbers. No, no, yeah. Is it, it's 1 in 100 chance? Yeah. Is that what it is? 1 ship out of 100 and then you said then oh, you no, just no, times I, it by 25 on both sides. Oh, which brings and you which to the you same bring, ratio. Which... Fair point. Thank you, Yassel. <laughs> that you're the finance guy. Yeah. I'm the run your mouth guy. So we're all on the same page here. Um so there's a part of me that's like, well, how do people even let them go out there and do it? And then I realized, it, they're adults. They clearly probably don't have too many other opportunities to make a living. So they're willing to do this high-risk thing so that mm-hmm. if they survive each year, they can live a normal life. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like with the healthcare. Even people driving shittier cars. It's like, it's not for the government to protect you against taking risk into your life. That's a, that's a decision you get to make. Like even on driving like a less dangerous car, you could be an individual who can't really afford to get around. And if you took the risk of, let's say, driving a motorcycle, you can move up the socioeconomic ladder because you can actually get around and improve or your add life. Different benefits or whatever. It right. Is. But then the the government shouldn't be, you know, in my eyes, come in and say, "Hey, you can't take that risk." Um, now moving forward with this, out in Nevada, what a coons. <laughs> out in Nevada, um, officials were stunned last month to learn that Anthem, the only insurer selling health plans statewide through the state's insurance exchange, wanted to pull back next year. That would leave consumers in most counties with no way to get health care coverage under the American Care Act. I want to hear what Nancy Pelosi's got to say about this. I mean, she's she's one of like those ultra liberal talking on the side of the Democrats, hardcore people. I haven't heard her say a statement, but I mean, that is like just pure example. Hey, this is not working in your state. Now, I read this great article, The Smart Medicine Solution to the Healthcare Crisis. I recommend all of our listeners go check it out. It was in the Wall Street Journal, and they're explaining how there's incredible technology now, basically, that can link up to your phone to almost monitor all of your health um, and send it to a doctor. I actually spoke to a company called Rested, Mm-hmm. I was trying to get them to uh, to advertise on some podcasts. Really cool product. They can monitor whether or not you have sleep apnea. Uh-huh. Now, sleep apnea at the moment, um, I feel like I'm giving them a free plug here. <laughs> at the moment, you got sleep apnea, you got to like actually like go to a fucking sleep clinic, get monitored. It sucks. They have an app. It'll just monitor your snoring. You don't have Through to go anywhere. Phone? Yeah, you go to sleep at night, it monitors your snoring. They'll let you know if you got sleep apnea. But at the same level as... From what I understand, yes. Okay. Um. Now... They can't work in every state because they're just laws against like telemedicine. Uh-huh. In other words, like I, I, this is just one product I know about. You go check out this article, the Smart Medicine Solutions to the Healthcare Crisis. There's a ton of like apps and new technology that's coming out. By the way, they have a fucking plugin for your phone that you can do. Um, what do you have to do? Like uh, EKG? the no, the soul the sonogram thing. For babies? Yeah, I think I was reading in that article. They have like a plugin for phones you could like sonogram yourself. I mean, I don't know why you want to do that. Like. I, I don't know what the practical application is. Oh, or maybe like you just do it and then it gets sent out. 
Well, I guess, to, yeah, because you wouldn't know how to read it. Right. Yeah, that's fair. But the point is, there's unbelievable tech revolutions that could be going on if uh-huh. they were allowing the technology to develop. They're mm-hmm. not. Right. Government's just got to get out of healthcare, and we'd all be set. Now, I had one more healthcare story that I wanted to um, highlight, which is, oh, this is great. There was a massive fraud case in healthcare this um, week. It was, um, oh, shit, fuck, I don't have the number here. I think it was $1.7 billion dollars. They, they got like a whole bunch of doctors. These doctors were basically prescribing um, prescriptions to people that didn't need them. And then here's what I thought was the funniest one was they were creating false rehabil- rehabilitation treatments, which <laughs> is so great because what's amazing about rehab is it's the one place in the world that you can go to that all they want you to do is absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like if you show up to AA meetings every week and you used to be an alcoholic, you're like, I played video games all week. They're like, go you. You didn't drink? Perfect. You're the best person in the entire uh-huh. fucking world. So like, I could see just selling people who are non-addicts about, hey, you want to get some free meals for three months and chill out in the sun? All right. You just got to make up some good stories about being a reckless alcoholic so you don't make the other people feel bad, but that's it. Just stick to the script. and Yeah, exactly. And you could just go about doing what you were doing before this. Nothing. Right. You weren't just, doing anything yeah. anyways. You got health care coverage. They'll pay for everything. It'll be like a paid vacation. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. All right. Now, I want to talk about microaggressions. But before we do that, I think I've, t- I think I've laid this out on the podcast, but it was on an earlier episode. I got a little bit of a theory about society that we have a problem that we kind of mold society around the world's worst people. It's like 95% of the population operate in one way. 5% are, in, these are my categories that I'm going to read, idiots, assholes, and complainers. Okay. And because of the actions of idiots, assholes, and complainers, we end up all having to live a different style life just because of what this very small minority of the world is doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I have one more category of people that I think that, um, add detriment, but it, it, it's not... I also Let's think stick that to these three. No, no, there's another evil to the world, which we'll get into. We'll actually do this one first, and it's that people are just doing their job. So you have idiots, assholes, complainers, and people are just doing their jobs. So what do I mean by people are just doing their jobs? The I pe- think you have people on the top who will create bad structures, and then you show up to an office that's doing something that you don't necessarily agree with, but... You- you didn't structure it that way. You're kind of locked into a system where you have to support your wife and kids. So you're just doing your job. So here's here's like an easy example of that. I think a lot of what goes on in the psychiatry profession is a little bit fucked up. You basically have drug companies lobby to create these checklists that will say that you have a disorder. So then the doctor will prescribe X medicine to that individual. You can do some research on like Adderall. They keep like lowering the amount of things on like a checklist so that they can prescribe you Adderall. So in some ways, if you're a psychiatrist, I'm sure you went to school, you wanted to do good by people, but then you end up being like, okay, you're going to sit in this desk, you're going to listen to that person, you're going to give this checklist, and if they come in on this, you're going to give them X medication. You kind of become a conduit for the drug lobby and and large pharmaceutical companies. Uh Now you as an individual, you went in with noble intentions and then you show up in the structure and you're just like, you're kind of committed to the system. You're like, well, I, I, I just spent 30 years of my life becoming a psychiatrist. But who's so giving that checklist? It's so that it's lobbied. It's called the DSIM. That's like, or the DSLIM or something that, which is like the manual uh-huh. for every single, um, like disorder. And then the checklists are created by, I believe by the drug companies who then lobby for like how many things you have to check off before they'll say that you have a disorder. 
Uh-huh. Here's another example. You, you spend your whole life, you study to become an accountant. That seems like a pretty noble, right? And then you end up in a situation where you're um, the accountant, you, where you're doing the audit for a company that's paying you. And uh-huh. then your boss says, hey, we need to come up with a dollar for, uh, for returns to the, to the shareholders. You're doing your job. Yeah. What, I, I read this great book on uh, on Hitler, and one of the, and <laughs> I know that that's like a weird segue from accountants, but he explained what they did, what he did so well when it came to kind of exterminating Jews was he created it that it was like an assembly line process where it's like, oh, I'm just the dude who puts them on a train. I'm just a dude who unloads them on a train. It's like everyone was able to be so disconnected from the process, they never had to from look start at... start to... Fi- yeah. yeah, here's the last example on this. Um, really good book that I recommend is Confessions of an Economic Hitman. This is... I think we mentioned this last time we brought up on the podcast, but he was mm-hmm. talking about how he was recruited um, to basically do economic analysis, and someone explained to him, hey, I need you to go to these countries overinflate the economic benefits that would come if they invested in this infrastructure because we need them to do this infrastructure. This infrastructure is going to create a problem for them. But this is your job. Your job is to go in there, represent the U.S. interests, overestimate the economic good that's going to come from this dam. And he understood what he was doing. But then when they recruited the next generation of people, they didn't explain to them like, hey, you're going to fuck over these countries. They just became business analysts. Mm-hmm. And this is what they were told was the business analyzing that they were supposed to do. So there was some evil person who kind of came up with this job. Man, yeah. I also, I, I to an extent, I, I don't know that the last company I worked for was a good or bad product. I honestly wasn't there enough and didn't pay enough attention, but I purposely didn't pay enough attention. I had you a job. Wanna... They were telling me to sell a product. I had to get on the phone and sell the product to people. It could very... I, I'm not saying that this is the case. It could be that the person who started the company started a company with not a great product. Go watch... Um, If you watch Boiler Room, Boiler Room's a great mm-hmm. mo- movie where they're doing phone sales. I, I happen to think... I saw people make money with my last product, so I, I, I was not... I was not selling a shitty product, but I just saw the reality of that you could be selling a shitty product. But you go watch Boiler Room, which is they're selling shitty investments. Even in that movie, when they're motivating the sales floor, he doesn't get on the sales floor and go, hey, guys, we're selling shitty investments. He goes out there and goes, we're investing in a cancer treatment drug. It's great for us to make money, but it's also nice to know that we're helping people also. And when we can do those two things at the same time, that's when we know we're doing great work. Now, who made a million dollars? You did? Well, let's get out there. Let's sell more of this than we sold of anything because we're really helping people and we can make some money doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, that guy on top is a piece of shit. He created a shill of a corporation. All the people who are showing up. They might look to you, but a lot of them, they're like, hey, I'm just doing my job. So I think that's one of the horrible things about the world is that there are people on top who are actually set up bad structures. And then since we're all just doing our job, well, we're contributing to these shitty structures. Yeah, well, they set up good structures in the fact that it's not that known that it's bad. Yeah. Right, that they're effective. Part of, by the way, you can make the argument, anyone who's working I, I, like for the, for the government, you can make, like, there are a lot of different things that, or, or you show up, you want to be a cop, and then, I, like, they have you arresting black kids for marijuana, and you're like, I wanted to be a cop my whole life, so you just kind of buy into what that is. But world, really what right. it is is, like, the, uh, the pharmaceutical lobby lobbying to keep fucking marijuana illegal because they don't want it competing with opioids that they're prescribing and getting people addicted to. And so now you, you thought you were going to do some, or you're a soldier. 
dude, being a soldier, that's pretty good. You think you're whatever. Uh, we can go on and on. The point is, there's a lot of <laughs> us as individuals, like as indiv- we could all be like, ah, I'm not fucking doing that. But the problem is, we all know that not enough of us are going to stand up to our bosses, really analyze what we're doing, and go, I'm not doing this. So we take home what we need for our family and we contribute to what are shitty structures. So that's the example of, so let's go over our categories of things that kind of, the evils of the world. It's that we cater to idiots, assholes, and complainers, and a lot of us are just people who are doing our jobs. So let's take a look at idiots, assholes, and complainers. So my example for idiots is like, let's say you got a nice open roof. Some dude goes up there and he falls off the roof, and they're like, okay, no one can go on this roof anymore. Right. Like that kind of situation. So you have one idiot. Thousands of people went up there. They enjoyed this beautiful view, and then they go, (laughs) no more nice view because of one idiot. So we're catering all of society to the fact that an idiot's going to fall off the roof. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next one is assholes. So I was kind of thinking like drugs. It's like one guy does bath salts and eats someone's face and like no one can do bath salts anymore. Uh huh. Or we're making drugs illegal. Or the other one is like uh, stock market fraud. So now everyone needs to be regulated. Or um, terrorism is a good one, which is essentially you got these people, they blow up brains, they're fucking pricks. And then because of those assholes, every time anyone ever wants to go to a fucking plane, they have to get their balls checked. We all have to have our... Um, computers monitored by the government. Think about how much of the world has been changed. The wars have been fought because of the couple assholes that are terrorists. Right. So the point is, the entire world gets revolved around idiots, the assholes, worst possible the worst aspects of society. Yeah. We all end up living in the world that's been molded to those individuals as opposed to the way that we all could be living. The, and the last category to me is complainers, that I think we have this fallacy that if people are complaining really loudly, we almost think that they're right. And sometimes oh, yeah. those people, they're just they're just complainers. That's it. Like, ignore them. They're, they're going to complain no matter what. They were born to complain. There's no reason for us to try and mold what we're doing, mold the group around... Change anything. Change anything for people that complain. Okay, so on that topic of complaining... To you me, have some complaints. I have some complaints, yes. To me, um, when I've heard about these idea of things such as microaggression and white privilege, that falls into the category of complainers to me. Now, when I first thought this, I thought, hey, man. That's your guy. Oh, is that the guy from... Oh, it is the guy from Florida. We're, we're too far. We'll catch him next week. I, I, I want to continue with this. Um, okay. What the fuck was I talking about? Microaggression. <laughs> Microaggressions. Thank you. So, and then at first I thought, oh, maybe I'm being crazy in my analysis, but then I found <coughs> out that um, I, I, there are actually some, fi- some intellectuals out there who call it victimhood culture. Victimhood culture. That people are making themselves into victims. Um, which is basically what my idea was. I was like, all right, some, uh, some intellectuals are on my side. Let's run with this idea. So I'm going to read the um, official definition of microaggression so that if this is the first time you're ever hearing of it, you'll know what it is. Um, it's my second. What? It's your second because earlier tonight. A statement, action, or incident re- regarded as an instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized gr- group such as racial or ethnic minority. So the way I understand that that they feel that this is is that essentially mm-hmm. you might not have outward race racist actions towards people, but there's such little slight nitpickings they're having all the time that people of minorities are being oppressed by these little tiny teeny little things and us people of privilege that's the exact we're we're white men us people of privilege 
the, the exact privilege that we experience is that we don't have to endure these little microaggressions. This thing that exists that is keeping people oppressed, the fact that we don't even recognize it and we're like, hey, you guys are crazy, that's because we're privileged. So uh-huh. we're just not seeing it. Okay, <laughs> so now on this point, so um, this came from, uh, uh, I believe it was Wikipedia, which at this point is as good as it gets. Is like essentially Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica. So in the definition of, um, or in the description of microaggressions, social scientists Sue B- B- Karecki, Broccoli, the Broccoli guy, Lynn Nadal in Torino described microaggressions as the new face of racism. And to me, if you went from slavery and lynching to microaggressions, it sounds to me like we no longer have an issue of people yeah. being racist. Well, like feels the, like we defeated that. It sounds like this should be a celebration that we went from slavery to something being described as microaggressions. Right. Like, it, you know what I mean? The, the fact I feel that, like we're being microaggressive in, in saying this, but right at the same time, like, you're yeah. right. We've, and it hasn't even been that... We're, it's not like we're so far removed from the you know like the horrible lynchings and slavery and shit like that like what 50 years ago right it's only 50 years of history yeah. and now we're at the point where it's like wow then the track record for success here is pretty incredible oh, yeah. why don't we stay the course <laughs> let's continue on this uh path okay so then this was more from the definition which i thought because perpetrators are generally well-meaning and microaggressions are subtle the recipients often experience um attributional ambiguity which may lead them to dismiss the experience and blame themselves as overly sensitive now i just want to point out that what they're describing here starts off because perpetrators are generally well-meaning so if i understand this problem correctly we're doing something to address the nine vi- the non-violent actions of well-meaning individuals <laughs> <laughs> that's the issue that we're describing here as being the face of what racist what was the word racism how would you pronounce that Ra- racism racism <laughs> why am i having a hard time with that word because you're adding ism to being a racist right Ra- you said racist ism race when it's racism. racism right okay let's just move on <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now here's where, and I've already said this, but we're going to say it again, but here's what I think the biggest problem with the approach of white privilege and looking at things like microaggressions um, is that I don't think you're going to find a single successful person in the world who's going to get up and go, you know how I became successful? I complained a lot. I couldn't get anywhere in life, so I stopped trying hard, and I just no complained. That, yeah. And I complained, and I complained, and then people just started giving me stuff. No. We all understand the only way to get ahead in life is you, you, you work hard. And if you start looking for the smallest little thing that you can say is what kept me down in life, you're never going to have any success. So I think for these individuals, just taking the approach of like looking at it like, oh, I'm a victim, you, you're, you already have a, you're not having an empowering outlook. If, mm-hmm. if, if you're excuse-making off the bat you're going to go nowhere. So I'm not saying that maybe the world is not set up in a favorable way. But what I am saying is that if you look at the world and go, oh, it's stacked against me, I'm fucked, you'll never get anywhere. Right. I'm 100% positive about that. Okay, now here's the next thing. I feel like taking this approach is also bad for society because if I think, I think if there's one thing I understand about the world is if there's an incentive to do something, people are going to do it. So let's take a fictional example here. Imagine if every morning, Yussel, you woke up, you woke up in the morning. You, instead of hanging out with your kids, 
making breakfast, doing any of that. You walked outside with your robe, and you, you, you live in a nice, quiet neighborhood in White Plains, and you just got outside, and you just screamed, Aah! Okay? And you just scream that into the street, and everyone gets riled up, and all of a sudden, women just start running out of their house. They're just throwing down whatever they have in their hands, and they just start sucking your dick. You're going to do that every morning for the rest of your life. Not only are you going to do it, but that's going to be what everyone does as they walk outside of their house and they just scream. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So if there's a reward for walking into the street and just yelling insanity, people are going to do that. Uh So on the same basis, if we create a reward structure for complaining, people are going to invest in complaining. And how to complain better or... More effectively. Exactly. And not just that, but this is like, this isn't even a joke. Everyone wants to rise to the top. That's what this is about. This is about, hey, I want a quality in my ability to get to the top. So if you create an avenue for getting to the top and being successful by complaining, we are quite literally creating reward structure for people being good at complaining. I guarantee you that will lead to a society with more complaining. There's no question about it. If you create a reward structure for something, you're going to see more of that thing. Well, then wasn't there a reward in uh, the reward of being president came with it? What do you mean? You could say he was a big fucking complainer. Who, Trump? Complaining all the time. What about? I don't know. All sorts of shit now. About not being able to pass anything. Well, I mean, definitely since he got in office. But, um, I mean, you could say he complained about um, Mexicans being in the country. He complained about unjust, unfair structure and no but i would also say he he was saying i'll i'll hear issues i'll still do better here are the issues allow me to fix these issues for you firstly i don't agree with trump i'm not like saying no that's fine all i'm pointing out here is i believe that if you create incentive for something it's going to happen um and so creating incentivizing people to complain is going to lead to more complaining and to me that's just a bad way to structure society right and I'm just saying that you feel like I Trump think the guy does a lot of, of complaining. That. You think Trump is a big complainer and he's successful because of his complaining. Yeah, because it gets it kind of like, especially now, like kind of brings it to the forefront of everything when he starts complaining about something. So does that play into my theory? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. OK, so you're on board. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were arguing with me and I was trying to figure out what the angle was. All right. Now here's the next thing. Jesus, you you have some what? some major like defensiveness. <laughs> Likes in I don't know, like where <laughs> you put out that like whole whole right. thing and you're like if if Joseph, if you, if you don't agree with me, <laughs> I'm just not going to even like bother to entertain that but it's like, "Oh, if you're on board with me, Oh, fuck yeah. Like, no, okay. Well, let, let's take a step back. <laughs> you have a bit of a... No, I wasn't I wasn't quite... No, all right. I wasn't quite understanding okay. the point. So if it was an agreement with me, I was going to move forward. If it was an argument, I was oh, going to try gonna... and better oh, understand okay. it. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you could that you so that you could fight it and right. turn me around. Or no, no, no. <laughs> or just have a discussion about it. Yeah, because then I would yeah. feel like I, something was lacking in my point, and so we could <laughs> better understand each other. Got but it. if we're both on the same team here, then I feel like we're on the same team. There's okay. no reason for argument, <laughs> unless you want to argue about this. It's getting weird. <laughs> it's getting very yeah, meta. I know. I don't want. I don't want to argue about this. We're all on the I'm same good. page here. Yeah. 
Okay, Let's cool. Go with that. Do you want to complain about it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now the next thing, and this is definitely something uh, I, if you guys are listeners, a part of the problem, old Davy Smith has brought up quite a few times, but this complaint of, hey, that's not fair, is extremely relative. 71% of the world, I looked this up, lives off of about $10 or less a day, yeah. which means if you're making minimum wage in this country, you're making Five more time, yeah. than what people, you're making an hour what most people are lucky to make in a day. Not lucky to make in a day, but what most people are making in an entire day right. and probably supporting kids off of and probably don't have opportunity for government health care or all the things that we have here. Now, I thought this was kind of funny. The big argument this past week about net neutrality. Net neutrality at its core is essentially a conversation about should how are people going to get their Netflix? That's what government's been involved with. You also look at the healthcare conversation. A large part of the healthcare conversation has been about how we're going to get treatment for people who are addicted to opioids. Now, there has to be some level of wealth in your life that you're even capable of getting addicted to opioids. And that, like, like I just, I, I don't know. I've never been to Somalia or, or these, but I would have to assume that, like, their life is so invested in, like, the getting water, doing this or that. There's no opportunity to be addicted to opio- opioids. Or addicted to television. Right. So the fact that, like, the things that our politicians are dealing with or people addicted to opioids and the television people are watching. There's plenty of privilege here. So the fact that you're complaining that you're not as privileged as the most privileged person in the most privileged society, let's understand that this is all kind of we're on d- a scale. We're all doing pretty good. Right. And so I was thinking, what we almost need to point out the ridiculous of this is like um, a coalition of average white men who will complain, like us sixes will just complain that we're not the tens. And then everyone will be like, hey, come on, guy. You got plenty of privilege. I don't know what you're talking about. Be like, well, you're not understanding my plight. You're just not, you know, we almost have to goat them so that they realize that if we did the same thing that they're doing, they're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Now, here was my next thought on this problem. Um, Jonathan Haidt wrote this great book about politics called Why People Are Divided by Religion, Why Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics. What I loved about this book is that a lot of times, um, and there are definitely evil politicians, evil senators out there. And there's definitely evil ones in the Republican Party. They're war hawks. I, I, I'm not a pro-politician kind of guy here. Um, but I think sometimes Republicans and libertarians for sure get painted as being evil. Like, wait, you're going to take away my health care? You don't want governments to give me health care? It's like, no, I actually really would like to help people. I'd like to see them get the health care they want. I have a different approach for how we can get there. Uh-huh. That's what his book was all about, is that there's a lot of assumption that like, hey, the other team's just evil. It's like, no, people aren't evil. People have different ideas about how we can help people. Why don't we have a conversation about the ideas as opposed to just screaming that everyone's evil? Like, I, 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 from the, I actually think, um, I, I'll go out, like, some of these neocon people, I don't think they're evil, per se. I think they have a very different idea for what would benefit the world, and I'd love to actually have a conversation with them and hear out what, like, I just think it's wrong. I don't think it works, but I, I, don't, I don't even think Hitler thought he was evil, I think even he had some some twisted ideas for what would be a better course for humanity. Mm-hmm. But I think in his own twisted way, he thought he was improving. It's the second Hitler reference of the podcast, by the way. Well, Hitler's great. I mean, how do you not <laughs> reference Hitler? What a what an iconic guy. I mean, he really did a lot to reference himself for, you know? He really made himself memorable. Not like these other people who just go through life helping out, you know? <laughs> so anyways, um, I was um, doing some research on microaggressions. And, um, whew, getting heated up here, Yussel. 
So what I've been trying to say thus far is that I actually think it would be better off for the people who are complaining about microaggressions to take a different approach in life. I don't think it even benefits them. So I want to play, this was the end of a lecture that he gave on the topic, and I thought this point was uh, super interesting. You ready? I'm ready. Um, so what do you think happened? How did it happen that when Hofstra University has the great honor to host the first debate. How on earth did it happen that Hofstra, rather than saying to its students, hooray, go sit in the front row. How did it happen that they came swooping in saying, now kids, you know, if you're upset, here's five numbers you can call, we're, we're here to help. This is not helping because safety culture is debilitating. It is crippling. It is a terrible, terrible thing. Those who embrace it, those who embrace as an identity, my identity is that I am a victim. I am a member of a marginalized or oppressed group. I'm not denying that there's oppression. I'm saying if the more you foster that as your core identity, the weaker you get, the more angry you get, um, the less likely you are to thrive after leaving the bubble of safety. Who gets stronger from this? Straight white men. Straight white men are the only beneficiaries here because for four years they're told you're the bad guys, you're the evil ones, and there are no resources to support you in particular. What does that sound like? Frequent criticism and no special support. What does that sound like? A job, right? That's what a job is, okay? So straight white men. In other words, what he's saying is by being in college and everyone kind of attacking you all the time and you having to move forward, you end up getting stronger. Versus uh -huh. if you say, hey, I'm in the press class, and then every kind of like fosters a little protective cocoon, you get into the world. And, and you're protected. No, you're, you're a little less um, able to take criticism and excel professionally because you haven't had to come, have to, had to overcome adverse situations prior to being in the workforce. Now, what this reminded me of, I, I brought this up on the podcast before, and I'm, I, I'm being 100% honest, this is not a direct quote. Because um, I couldn't find the scene to find the direct quote, but this is the way I remember the line: is that in The Godfather, which I have you seen The Godfather? Yes. Oh, okay. Because there's so many great things that you haven't seen. I just oh, assume. Get out of here. <laughs> so there's a scene where I, I think Michael Carleone is meeting someone who's about to marry his sister, and uh -huh. he goes, "How do you plan on supporting my sister?" And he starts getting really shy, and he goes, "Actually, I'm pretty wealthy. I own a lot of the family stock." And so Michael Carleone says this great line, not a direct quote, it's the way I remember it, but he says, discontent for the wealthy was something created by the rich so the poor wouldn't want it. Right. Brilliant line, right? Uh -huh. I feel like this microaggression thing is almost a little bit of that and that if you create this culture of being the victim, so like, let's say you manage to climb the social ladder to being on top, is that even a position that you want to be in? Or is, have you so creating this identity that you want like to be being the oppressed the that you're choosing, hey, I'm going to spend more time in the oppressed class. You're creating, I'm the oppressed as being your identity. So I would think like you'd almost feel uncomfortable. That's the way you're self-identifying. I would think you wouldn't want to move yourself out of that status. Uh -huh. Now, I don't think that there are some brilliant white kinda people. kind of takes like a hit to, to what you're all about in that theory. Well, what do you mean? Where it's like you want to be viewed as... You know, as the oppressed, as you're saying. Right. And then, like, if you're actually getting somewhere, it's like, oh, shit, like. Right. I'm not going to be the yeah. oppressed anymore. But what I'm saying is in embracing, you know, this idea of being the oppressed. So, firstly, it's more likely that you will be the oppressed because you're not going to try and not be the oppressed. But this is almost like I, I don't think white men sat down and thought, how can we keep these people low? Well, let's convince them that they're the oppressed people. Like, I don't think that's what happened. No. But. It's almost cartoonish to me for people to self-embrace, hey, we're the oppressed people, when we know that that's not going to help them move forward or 
leave the oppressed category. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's... And according to this professional, it actually benefits other people because they actually have to come over, overcome real adversity because now they have to really think about the mind power you have to have of being told that you're in the elite class when and you're that that's n- bad. Really not. And you're not, you're not even in yeah. the elite <laughs> class. And people are telling you, and like, you still have to push forward and be six, like, that, that's like a mind fuck that I guess maybe you can end up it's with like a smarter just, mind. It, uh... I didn't totally think that went through, but that that interesting nonetheless. Okay, here was my last um, my last thing that I read on this that I thought was interesting. So, um, this was from the Jonathan Haidt article that I was reading, um, and I just think that this further elucidates why this um, embracing of like the white privilege and um, microaggressions is bad for society. So he said that um, there's also a problem that he's noticed in like um, in high schools that there's a demonization of privileged people. That there's like something spiritual. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the article. There's something spiritual to knowing that we all benefit. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm reading my line as opposed to his quote. <laughs> I'm retarded. Um, many many students at elite schools are learning to judge ideas not by their content, by the privilege or victimhood of the speaker. Like in other words, which to me is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's like basically Albert Einstein gets up to give a speech and they're like, wait, was this guy molested? <laughs> no. Well, then I don't care what he has to say. Right. Or it's like someone invents the cure to cancer and they're like, well, did a white guy who was privileged enough to get raised in a good home and afford college in a stress-free way invent it? Well, then I want nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. It's like, let's understand, like, you can come up in a privilege and then make unbelievable contributions to judge someone just on the fact that they didn't have to come over... Uh, like that they weren't like think we all love or these even under- value or even overvalue you know people who were right who have like and didn't really do much i don't know yeah okay so here was the last thing i wanted to take a look at was i was looking into some examples of microaggressions because i wanted to better understand what it was and i'm highlighting i found an article um I'll tell the article number to all of our fans out there <laughs> oh, um no so this was off of the University of example of race, racial uh, fuck what university was this from Minnesota was it oh Minnesota okay cool is it um, UMN UMN it's from oh then then it disappears it's from U the University of Minnesota it was examples of um where's it from buddy why didn't I write this down beforehand whatever there it is University oh it's from the University Jeez. of Minnesota Only I, just, I saw three letters of that whole thing <laughs> and I was able to figure it out so okay so I was reading through this example of racial microaggressions and I want to highlight what are to me are some of the more ridiculous ones um, so the first one is everyone can succeed in this society if they work hard enough so to them that's an example of a microaggression but would they prefer the line? Everyone can succeed in this society if they work hard enough, except for black people <laughs> who can work really hard and still fail miserably. Is that the sentence that they would prefer? Right. Is that what they think is less racist and more accurate of life? <laughs> it's kind of an empowering statement to say if anyone works hard enough, they can do well. Yeah. I think that's a logic game. If you take the inverse of that statement, you're saying not everybody can, can do well. Le- yeah. Okay, moving on. We're just pointing out stupidity here, buddy. Um, okay, the next one is environmental microaggressions. So that you can have ma- macro-level microaggressions, which are more apparent, um, on systematic and environmental levels. So one of these environmental microaggressions are the overabundance of liquor stores in communities of color. Now, why do you think 
there are a lot of liquor stores in communities of color. Cheaper rent? No, I would think it's because they like liquor. That's usually the way stores work, is that they'll go into neighborhoods where people will purchase their product. I don't think white people are operating liquor stores at a loss to ensure that there's an oversupply of liquor in black communities. Right. There's nothing racist about the fact that people probably of the same color are opening up the stores that the people in that community want to buy product from. Correct. Okay, we can move on. By the way, I was going to play the clip, but I feel like uh, we're getting a little long in here. There's a scene in um, uh, White Boys in the... I mean, uh, Boys in the Hood. You ever uh-huh. see that movie? Nope. You never saw that movie? No. It's not that great of a movie. People love it. Irat was actually the one who told me it's favorite movie. I was like, ah, I got to see this, but I didn't love it. But there's a scene in there where... Um, uh, it's like a two-minute speech. Should I play the two-minute speech? No. Okay, I'm not going to play the two-minute speech because it's hot as balls in here and you're getting restless. I could tell. It's it's sauna-like and I got a lot of sweaty clothes in yeah. here. I get it. We. Uh, it's actually, this is a little cleaned up. It's because the fucking roaches, dude. Right. Got to stay clean. I'm not fucking around here. Okay. Um, here's the last part of this, Yussel. We're almost, we're almost through. We're okay. getting to the end. I... I tried to joke at one point. It didn't really work, but I was trying to joke that I can't really afford to travel, but what I can do every once in a while is take a cab and talk to the cab driver. <laughs> and if you do that in New York City, you can learn a lot about other cultures. And I can't even talk. I learned some really... In- I learned the difference between Sunni and Shiite Muslims. I'm telling through you, through cab- random... I learned some interesting things talking to random cab drivers. Did you like um, go to different cabs like to try to oh, gather, fine. like to build on, <laughs> on that knowledge? Like... All right, this was a informed. Oh, and then I got in the next like, one. Oh, yeah, like it's like okay, this now we're in uh, Sunni versus Shiite uh, one hundred two. Right, like no, you're so on to your it, next it, class. <laughs> that, that's funny. No, it was more of a hey, where are you from? Oh, that's so cool. I know nothing about that area. How long did you live there for? And then whatever they said, I'd, I'd have more questions about it because right. this was an opportunity for me to hear a firsthand and then experience. Then you just like run the meter. I'm here. Right. I'm back home. But just keep it running. Let's hear this. <laughs> Circle shit. the block. I want to yeah. learn more about your Bangladeshi ways. Right. Okay. So, and I think there's actually a lot to be said for that. For going, hey, you're have a different cultural experience than I do. We can learn from each other. That was actually oh, um, we did a really interesting episode. Um, all right, moving on. Um, <laughs> Um, Okay So the first part In any Like conversation Is you have to Engage someone That's actually a part of Like the sales process If I call someone up On the phone I go Hey you want to buy X product And they hang up the phone on me I can't possibly sell them Mm -hmm. And now Engaging a person I'm telling you It's awkward It's very uncomfortable To start a conversation Like think about Small talker You're at a bar And there's some chick you like So if you're going to sleep with her The first thing you got to do Is somehow start up conversation You have to somehow Engage her you know what I mean? You have to. I understand, but it's I, okay. It's over your head. Yeah. It's ba- it's too basic to comment on. I no, get- no, I, it's ba- it's fine in the basic, but yeah. The first part, I'm just telling you, the first yeah. part to any sale is you have to engage a person. Okay. So now let's say I see um, a Mexican fellow for the first time, right? And I'm a white guy, and I want to start a conversation with him. Now, if I want to start a conversation with him, I'm I'm opening up an opportunity for dialogue. That's the first step to me and him understanding each other a little better, maybe in promoting himself a little bit more in society, me better understanding the blight of someone with a different life experience than me. Make sense? Yep. Okay. The, the point is that in opening up dialogue, there's an opportunity for evil white guy to learn something from oppressed Mexican. Okay? Quote, unquote. Yeah. Okay. So I want to read some of the things that 
are categorized as a microaggression. Things like, where are you from? Where were you born? Um, for real? Yes. Um, what were some other ones? But well, Yeah, uh, it's kind of like where you, ca- you can't even get started without overthinking this kind of shit. No, what I'm trying to... It's like conversation is awkward. If you're first meeting someone for the first time and you have genuine intent... Like, you could have grown up in a small white town in the middle of Texas and never interacted with someone of color. That's possible. And then you can go to college and go, I'd really like to interact with a black and Mexican person and learn... I'm, I'm curious to learn about... And you walk up, hey man, where are you from? And then they're so fucking offended. And they're offended. Like, the, the, like the thing I was worried is like, you walk up to a Mexican guy, like you sit down, you're like, hey man, what's your name? He's like, my name is Carlos. I, I, I'm sure he doesn't talk that Mexican, but yeah, you're like, you're just a straight up racist. Yeah, exactly. Racist. And you're like, oh cool, Carlos, where are you from? I'm as American. <laughs> He's like, I'm as American as you. What are you getting at? You, yeah. you think I look Mexican? Are you saying I look brown? And you're like, you know what? I'll just go back to talking to white people. <laughs> <laughs> I could ask normal questions. Yeah, it's like, I'm like, you know what? It's just, it's just easier. <laughs> you're right. I guess it's easier for me to converse with people. Of, uh, so you just solved microaggression. Uh, what do you bullshit. mean I solved it? That like that's That's the way to, <laughs> to cut it out. It's just not to interact. Yeah, right. It, it, like as opposed to being nervous about stepping on the yeah. toes. Why don't we just, just not interact just with you? Keep it very uh, segregated. <laughs> just keep it segregated. That way we don't have to worry. Because you know what? Exactly. We're, we're let's trying. Revert back that's so to that's, like, the, that's exactly what it is. Let's revert <laughs> back to the to the stuff that really fucking was bad. Right. To save ourselves from the tiny little, the tiny little things. Yeah. No, it's more like. Okay, we're trying our hardest right now, and you're still taking offense. So we don't want to offend you. So why don't we just not interact so that we don't have to worry about you guys being offended? Yeah, I th- I feel like we uh we gave a pretty thorough rundown of uh of this, sure of this microaggression white privilege and thing. solved it. I don't know that we solved it. No, just be total fucking racist. Oh right, be like right, an right. all out racist. Right, and That's then a solution. <laughs> Not even, not even give any person who's not like you the time of fucking day. Okay, I want to go. I want. I want to leave on a message of positivity. <laughs> all right, you can turn it around. That's what we're here for. So I think I'm all for everyone bettering themselves, maximizing their epic, uh, their economic opportunity, living the best life possible. And I feel like complaining doesn't help you get there. And for us to listen to complainers and even address it is a bad move for society as a whole. Okay. Boom. Hey, man. Sorry I missed your call, Rob, but I am about to get late, so, yeah. Run your mouth, bitch, yo, we out of our minds. Run your mouth.